welcome back. This is the third episode in the second series of The Good Life. And my name is Alison Barton-Simmons. Now then, I'm Eggs Benedict. I was a bit worried, Al, that you were going to start this week in a sort of fake Dutch accent like Steve McLaren. Oh, it's been... After your obsession with the Dutch <laughs> last week. It's bothered me all week. I've, I've kept having flashbacks <laughs> to um, the unsuccessful Amsterdam quiz. Clogs oh, wow. and... I know, it was... Um, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was podcasting gold, but I'd really hoped that you were going to start with, Welcome to the Shitcom Archive, Deep Dive Overdrive. I'm Steve McLaren. <laughs> Never well, mind. I've got, I've got clogs on. I've got a pair of clogs on just to just to celebrate. So there's that. Cool. So, yeah, we're back for the third episode of The Good Life, second series, Mr. Fix-It, this week. Yep. Mr. Fix-It, you can watch it on um, Daily Motion if you're so inclined for free by following the link that we tweet out before every episode, uh, usually on a Monday evening or a Monday morning. So this is a listen-along podcast where you watch episodes of The Good Life and then listen to us tear it apart, really, and talk about it and have a bit of a chat about um, the characters and the series. Yeah, we go off on tangents and you'll have to forgive us. But basically, we try and stick to the episode, walk through it, have a laugh with it, and then see who we liked and who we didn't like. So, yeah. Um, before we get stuck into this one, though, Al, I wanted to... Um, we had a conversation offline this week, didn't we, about some fan fiction that I found. Yeah. There's some good life fan fiction. And we had a conversation about whether we uh, read some out on the show, but then we decided that this is somebody's work that they're presumably proud of, and we didn't want to be snippy. However... It was actually quite good, wasn't it? It was good. It was really well written. And I was I was quite I was quite engrossed actually. Yeah, and then subsequent to that conversation I had with you when we decided we wouldn't read it out, oh, I found no. some more fan fiction. <laughs> no, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, what 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 struck me was that there was I mean, I guess I should have seen it that there's fan fiction for everything. Mm. Really. I mean, it's not just Harry Potter, is it, and Twilight. Um there is fan fiction for all sorts of different subject matter. But kind of disappointed that when it came to the good life there was no erotic fanfic I, I did i did have concerns that the one that we read was heading in that direction but it did finish before there was any suggestion leave them wanting more mm. well i kind of i kind of says more about my character no i haven't <laughs> written any hey that could be a challenge for next week couldn't it a 60 second erotic fanfic that we both have to Mm, maybe not, but um, I'd be quite interested if anyone out there knows of any erotic fan fiction for The Good Life. Then please do. <laughs> for we'll, we'll give use. you our contact detail. Yeah, just 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 <laughs> for personal email. use. <laughs> Whatever floats my boat, and we we clearly know what that is now. <laughs> <laughs> um, send it through to me so I can get me jollies. Basically, is what I'm saying. And the other thing I wanted to mention was that I um, I went for a haircut this week. So. I know. I like it. I don't. It's a bit too short. Actually, I shouldn't say that because the barber, <laughs> the barber said he'd listen to the podcast. The <laughs> nice haircut. It's lovely. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Andy. Nice haircut. But he said to me, I was talking about the podcast, and he said to me, "Oh yeah, I love those because he's British himself. I love those old um, British sitcoms." Uh, and then he started saying like "Last of the Summer Wine" and "Some Mothers Do Have 'Em," mm-hmm. and not to take anything away from those shows because you know they're both good 
shows with longevity for the time. I'm not entirely sure that we would choose to deep dive those shows because what do you say about Frank Spencer? You know, he's just calamity after calamity. There's not really subtlety to the scripts no. or the plot or character development. He's just a, it's just all a disaster zone. It's roller skates, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's part of the reason why I'm a little bit dubious about whether we should do the young ones because there's a lot of slapstick. Uh, although there's all the political stuff as well, yeah. which, you know, maybe we will do. The, but uh, Last of the Summer Wine, again, that's like... And then Compo gets in the bath and they roll down the hill. It's just bats, bats and hills, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> and Bobat. Yeah, exactly. So it got me thinking because we're now, we're now heading towards uh, the midpoint of, of the second series of The Good Life. Um, we're we're going to be starting thinking about the next the next show that we deep dive, I think. And we've had some discussions and floated some ideas. The Young Ones, Open All Hours. Yes. Um, can't remember what else we said. Uh, Dear John was one, wasn't it? Yes. If anyone remembers that, it's quite a depressing um, comedy series from the 80s. But um, I think it'd be quite good if, if people listening and enjoying it, they can, again, as well as getting in touch with their... <laughs> With their, <laughs> with their, their fan, fan fiction. fiction. Yeah, send us some um, requests and we'll see if um, see if we can get some ideas. There might be shows we've forgotten about and we look at and we go, oh, yeah, I love that. I had one this week. I had, oh, yeah? Yeah, I had um, a suggestion of Terry and June. Terry and June. Yeah. Mm. Terry Scott, June Whitfield. I, I always think of Terry Scott as Penfold. That's his archetypal role yeah. for me. Yeah, June Whitfield's, um, I think, a lot a lot funnier than people give her credit for as well. Really good comedy actress and beautiful. Yeah, she only recently died, didn't she? She was so gorgeous, Only last yeah. year. Mm. Maybe we should call this episode Rip June Whitfield. <laughs> you don't know this yet, but last week's episode that I uh, mixed this week, I've called the Dutch Dive Overdrive. Of course. Makes sense, doesn't it? Plogtastic. So are you ready, Ben, to take a deep dive into Mr. Fix-It? Yeah, why not? Let's do it. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. So we start this episode in the infamous Goods Kitchen with Barbara busy darning and mending, um, doing all the things mm. that you do in your spare time when you're being self-sufficient because you're having to make sure that all your equipment is all satisfactory and, and workable. Um Tom blusters in, and I, I, th- I thought about you when he when he did bluster in because he was like making quite a lot of noise and yeah, he was being Tom, wasn't he? Mm. Um, and he's, he's he's sort of fed up. He's, he's quite unrested, isn't he? He's he's he's, he's not satisfied at all. Um, the the nights are drawing in. It's getting dark, and he's he's trying to find something to do, and he's just missing the point all along that Barbara's sat doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, he's moaning, isn't he, about sitting indoors while Barbara. Uh, sitting indoors doing nothing and Barbara's doing the opposite. Instead of joining her in doing something, he just starts jumping about doing hopscotch. Like the like a like a kid. He's got he's got a fork that he's found in the shed that's been there since they moved in, uh, which was then broken. And Barbara does suggest that maybe you just go and mend mend your fork. Go and do that. Go and mend your fork. She says it more aggressively than that. It's one of those bloody switches where Barbara goes Angry Barbara. <laughs> Terrifying woman when she's angry. Barbrazilla. Yeah, we got a new episode name already. <laughs> uh, but then this is all this is all interrupted by Margot, of course, 
um, who comes in to let them know that there's somebody on the telephone. I'm still finding this quite odd that they come in and say there's somebody on the phone from you, for you from like next door house. Um, yeah. That someone will ring somebody else's house in order to say, I need to speak to your next door neighbours. I still find it a bit weird. I think we used to have neighbours like that when we lived in St. Helens. Did you? We had a neighbour who, did, who didn't have a phone and occasionally we'd get a phone call. And my mum would trot round like next door but one. I think, yeah, you know, maybe they were just a bit skint. I'm not sure. Yeah, of its time. Mango comes round and um, you want it on the phone. Um, um, but she's she's very concerned about the fact that Barbara is sewing um, a spare leg onto some trousers. Um, so now Barbara's got sort of like hybrid pants of CNA and Marks and Spencers with one orange leg, and this really does... It, Margot's really bothered by this and suggests... She's aghast, doesn't she? She doesn't like it. You come out shopping with me at weekend, I'm going to have my checkbook with me, and we'll get you yeah. we'll get you sorted, Barbara, um, because of these hybrid pants. Um, but Barbara's so sweet, and she's there busy sewing away and, and says, oh, aren't they snazzy? Snazzy, I love that word. Snazzy's a nice... Word. I still use it, though, and, and I think my my... Kids cringe when I do, to be honest. <laughs> I think it's like... It's what would you use Snazzy to describe then? Uh, my new haircut, Andy. It was wonderful. Snazzy. Um, I think, though, uh, Barbara, the way Barbara pronounces trousers made me laugh. Did you notice she says it weird? What did she say? Trousers. Trousers? I've got some new trousers. Trousers. Is it like... um? It was like quite sweet. I'm not sure she was doing it deliberately to be sweet. I think, I think probably. Trousers. Oh. And, and Margaret's very um, patronising, isn't she, the way she says, brave, brave Barbara. Yeah. It's another one of those, come on, Margot. Yeah. Wind your neck in. So on the on the telephone is, um, it's a reporter, it's a journalist that wants to do a feature on the goods. Um, he's heard in the pub um, about the self-sufficient lifestyle of, of the goods and wants to find out a bit more about it and write about it, which is quite a... It, it would be quite a good story, I think, um, especially in in the area and um, of the time. It would, I think, it would be quite a newsworthy um, article to, to have in your newspaper. Um, Is that the sort of thing that you'd have gone chasing when you were at the Ben? Yes, absolutely. It would have that would have been um, a double page spread, I think, with photographs. Yeah. Would you add? Would you have had a next door neighbour trying to get in the shot though? Like <laughs> I don't think there would have been a Margot. There's, there's never another Margot, is there? <laughs> uh, but Margot is is desperate to get in on the action. Once she finds out that the newspaper is going to be involved uh, in the life of the goods, Margot is desperate, and the and, and the desperation's quite clear, isn't it? Right from the start, that she wants to be part of this. She wants to be in on the action. So you come round if there's anything I can do. You come and t- you call me, and I'll be here. Um, so in the next scene, we see the reporter, the photographer, journalist turn up and he's getting photographs of Tom and Barbara in the garden and Margot is at her most Margoist. Mm. Done up to the nines. Um, her hair is all piled up in that Charles II haircut again almost. Um, and she's peering over the fence with her shears, trying to get in on any of the pictures that she can. And it's quite sad really, isn't it? It is. It's, it's smacks of desperation. Desperate. Yeah, but the goods sort of play her own game and have a photograph taken in the in the tiny corner of the pig pen, away from Margot, um, because they know what she's they know what she's trying to do. They know that she's trying to get in on the action, and um, they're doing everything they can just to sort of avoid it. Well, Tom, Tom says if we move along, we can point at the pigs, and that just made me think of those like 
do you know that Facebook group and Twitter handle un- unhappy people in local local journalist? I yes. can't remember what it's called now. And it's like you always get a picture of someone doing a compo face and yes. pointing at whatever. Pointing at something. Like, trip- yeah. Holes in the road, potholes. Yeah, you point at potholes. <laughs> yeah, you point at what's pissed you off. So if Tom and Barbara are pointing at a pig, it might just look a bit like a, a disgruntled <laughs> butcher who's been, who's been targeted by animal rights activists or something. <laughs> But um, the photographer in this scene, he's, um, I think he thinks he's on um, good, good Life Late Night because he says... Now, um, I'd like you to do something really interesting. When they were yeah. posing for pictures. Oh, and Dad. that was just... Yeah, I was expecting anal, but it was just... Um, <laughs> Not quite. Look lovingly at each other, I think, was what he meant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So in the next scene, we see the reporter slash photographer. Um, he's he's sat with the goods in the um, in their front room, and he's getting a bit more information for his article. And I quite like this guy, this um, this actor. I have I've got his name. Mister Coles is the journalist. Yeah. Um, mm. To John Quayle, because um, I looked him up because I thought he was. I know it was only like a really small part, but I quite I quite enjoyed this 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 character, particularly when he has a drink of the peapod wine and it's his reaction to to drinking it. Yeah. It was so well acted. Um and it, it really did I'd liked it. It made me laugh a lot. Um Well, it's one of those weird um tropes that actually does happen in real life, that delayed reaction to a bad taste. Yes. Sometimes it takes a couple of seconds to hit. And they play it for comedy on shows like this, but mm. it really does happen. Yeah. It, and it really worked. I really liked it. That that um, guy who played the journalist was actually, um, again, like the guy last week that we cited had been in loads of different sitcoms, the guy who played uh, Guy. Mm. This journalist actor, he was in Terry and June as Malcolm, with a Terry and June reference. He was also in, he was in Citizen Smith and Rising Damp and various recurring roles in Benny Hill and Morecambe and Wise. Really? So that, maybe you recognised him because you're a big Morecambe and Wise fan, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he did have one of those faces, actually, that I was... It, I, he was quite handsome, um, but drawn to, so maybe I have seen him before. Could be. So he's busy asking questions of Tom and Barbara to just sort of, like, fill out the piece, um, get more information about what they're doing and the lifestyle, and then who turns up at the patio doors but Margot um, with the ball of string that they asked for right at the very beginning, that if they could borrow a ball of string. Yeah, that's her in, isn't it? Dressed up, she's like on ready for a night out at the at the Ritz um, with this ball of string, and she's she's in there and wanting to add colour to this piece. She stood quite close to that fire. I was worried that satin dress of hers was going to go up. <laughs> fire hazard, like a ball, of, like a ball of string. <laughs> <laughs> she's um, she she goes off on one. With a with a sort of like look with her local colour that she wants to sort of add to the piece um, about her husband Jeremy, so she f- proper full names him. He's not Jerry. He's not Jerry now. He's Jeremy. Um, yep. So Margot goes off on one with the with the reporter. Um, describes herself as one of the leading lights in local theatre. Um, she's about to be in The Sound of Music, playing the part of um, that Julie Andrews played in the film, and. She really is. The, the desperation um, to be in this article is quite evident. But the, the, the journalist kind of cuts her down, really, and just says, I, I, this is not stuff that I really need. I'm here to speak, speak to the goods. And the goods, being the lovely people that they are, 
so I've turned that round <laughs> and um and tell her that tell him that um she's Margot's an important part in their in their life and she's she's there to be supportive and encouraging and transports the goats whenever they need it, even though it poops in the car. Um and she's been there. She's been there to be sort of like helpful and be part of it all. But that's not really what Margot wanted. She didn't want that side of it. She wanted the the lights and the glamour in the art. I'm not entirely sure whether the goods were being sweet, Barbara probably was, or whether Tom was trying to embarrass her, as Tom typically does with Margot. Mm. Because that's probably not the type of thing she would want to be in the newspaper for transporting goats, is it? So I, with him... Being a bit... Yeah, he's been a shithouse. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Maybe it's my bias coming in. Tom bias. Mm. Yes, we we. I think at this stage we have to acknowledge there's a certain amount of Tom bias coming into my reading of the of his actions. So Mr. Coles leaves, and Barbara and Margot are left chatting about the reporter. Um, Margot decides that because he's got black shoes on, that he's obviously from one of the quality newspapers, and. Um, Barbara says yes. It's then the creases in his trousers, so he's obviously he's obviously quite well healed, and um, a writer from the quality press. So off Margot pops, and Barbara starts to um, think about where this where this is going to take them next, and decides that she could be Piglet of the Month in yep. the Pig Readers Gazette in future. So that's where it's heading. And she strikes a sexy pose, doesn't she? Does Tom call her hot legs or old legs? I'm not sure. He says something about trouble with the Orientals is they're inscrutable, and that went totally over my head. Uh, yeah, I even rewound that to try and see what he was taking that from, but I had no idea. Yeah, I think it was probably just a bit of 70s racism that us modern lefties, we don't get at all. No, over our heads. I was totally bald when I was born. <laughs> Then we're back at the Ledbetters and the papers are coming through the, the door, which Jerry picks up um, and starts to sort of rifle through. And on finding the, the sun... The sun, yeah. Stops at page three to have a quick gawp at some boobs. Yep, he loves some soft pornography, does Jerry? He does, doesn't he? And the phone rings and it's the journalist, it's Mr Coles... And he's managed to get the story in The Observer, which Margot just loses her shit at because she's so excited. She's... National press. Yeah, she's very excited. I like the way that when Jerry answered the phone, he repeated his own phone number into the phone. Did you not do that when very... you were on a landline? No, yeah, definitely. Pick up the phone, go 814130. It doesn't make sense now, does it, really? 78267. Why would you repeat yeah. the number back? Well, I suppose by repeating the number... If you ring in someone in a region, like with a regional telephone number, like what's, what's your regional number? 01204. So if I accidentally got some of the latter digits wrong and someone, a female with a Bolton accent answered, I might still think it was you. Oh, okay. I, like that happened to me once. A bloke answered the phone when I was I was trying to ring my mate Matt and a bloke answered the phone and I went, what's the matter with you? You sound like a right idiot. <laughs> Turns out it was the wrong number, so that's how I win, win friends <laughs> oh. and influence people. So, so maybe that's what it then, is. Yeah, with uh, with someone reading the number out to you. Exactly. I think maybe that that was it. And I still know a woman who lives around here. She's English. There's a lot of English people in my town. Um, I live in New Zealand, in case you didn't pick up on that previously. But there's a lot of English people here, and I still know a woman. When I phone her, she says her entire 
Really? Phone number back to me, yeah. Is it so, not about 20 digits long, though? Well, only if, you di- only if you're dialing from the UK with the international code. <laughs> <laughs> we don't all have to do that. Oh, Christ, I'm <laughs> dialing New Zealand. I better put the full number in. Still sat over in half an hour. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. Good life. I also noticed when Jerry come down the stairs, I mean, I'm sure you'll talk about his dressing gown in Fashion Corner. Yes. But he looked a bit hungover, don't you think? <laughs> yes, and he had, a, he had a definite sort of five, is it a five o'clock shadow? Eight o'clock. What, yeah. What time shadow is it? Five o'clock? Well, for me, it's about three weeks until I get any sort of shadow. <laughs> but I think it's called a five o'clock shadow, yeah. And I think he says, when he calls up to Margot, he says, the paper boy's just emptied the contents of his sack through a letterbox. Snigger, snigger. That probably wasn't written for the gag, but I enjoyed no. it nevertheless because I'm a because I'm so puerile. And it just made me think of when I used to deliver newspapers as well at that time. How the Sunday papers were a bastard. Yeah. You know, with all the fucking supplements that no one read, and you'd, you know, if you had more than five papers in your bag, you were you'd probably end up with sciatica later in life. Did you not have a trolley? No, I just had a sack and a bike. Oh, God. I was given a bastard of a paper round. All the other lads at the shop, they'd have to do, like, a couple of roads. And I got the round where it was like, you know, the outliers. I'd be over this end of town oh, and then no. be over the other end of town. So, yeah, I think my bad back that I currently suffer from might be related to that. It's nothing to do with the fact that I'm about eight stone overweight. It's it's the paper round. Uh, yeah, I think it's um it's down to your heavy sack. <laughs> So, Margot now puts a call in to Miss Mountshaft from the local theatre group um, to suggest that if she can get a mention of their show in The Observer, would there be a reconsideration for Margot's design of the programme cover? I'd love to see what Margot designed for the programme cover. There's some sort of yeah. fan, fan art work begging to be done there, I think. Yeah, this is a, this is where I wish that we or we'd sort of built a, a real listenership who could submit stuff to us. I just love to be sifting through emails of fan art. Yeah, <laughs> and it's never going to happen because only only our, only us and our friends will ever listen to it. But nevertheless, it would be great, wouldn't it, to receive that sort of stuff? Arty friends, please, can you draw us a um, suggested Margot program cover for the for the um, Sound of Music? Yeah, we'd oh, love that. I'd love that so much. So yeah, so she's she's sort of trying to get Miss Mountshaft to, to 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 use her her design, and then we see Jerry in the kitchen of the goods. He's gone round there. The 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 couple offer him some elevenses, and he says, "But it's only half past eight in the morning." But they've obviously been up since the crack of dawn, and he says, "You look damn cheerful and damn healthy," which I think's yeah, I know it's like a backhanded compliment, but. I, f- I feel yeah. quite happy for the goods that things are things are going so well that they look happy and cheerful. Yeah, it's just his hangover talking, isn't it? It is. I think that's all it is. Seven o'clock shadow. I think they offered him some talic talic acid. Have some talic acid. I don't even know what that is. Is it not tannic? Like you know, tannin that you get in oh, tea. Oh, tannic. Tannin. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's in other words, do you want a cup of tea? Right. Okay. So Jerry is now round there suggesting that because their name's going to be in the national papers, that they approach the local shops to to get them to use their celebrity status now in order to get stuff that they need. 
from the shops. Hmm. He's on the make, isn't he? Yeah, he just he wants he wants free stuff, but I think he wants a bit of the action as well, which we we'll later find out that that is very true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Barbara says yes, that's a really good idea. She wants she wants in on this, and she can see the the validity in doing something like that. Whereas Tom doesn't want to get involved. He he doesn't want to sort of get anything that's that is not due that isn't that that's not been earned. He's being ultra principled about it, which is a bit OTT, I think. Mm. And he's sort of, um, yeah, he's being a little bit too communist, really. <laughs> and um, and uh, Barbara calls him on it, and then he sort of backs down and he says, he says, yes, you're quite right, I was wrong. Oh. It's like, you don't expect that from Tom. Don't but he did it in a way where he didn't like to admit it. And then there was that weird scene where he said, I can still pin you to the bed anytime I feel like it. Yeah. Didn't like that much. Oh, see, just he gives with one hand and takes it away with the other. Yep, all the time. Hmm. Jerry insults them um, briefly, doesn't he, when he says that they live in abject poverty, which I think is a bit... It's a bit like the other week when he turned up saying, hello, peasants, before yeah. offering them money. It's a bit a bit much. But then he, before he leaves, he says, I think I'll go and rip out my telephone. Um, <laughs> yeah. in, in reference to Margot um, using the phone to increase her social climbing. And it got me thinking, because you were saying earlier about um, uh, people making phone calls to the neighbour's house. Can mm. you imagine Margot with a mobile phone, what the bill would be like. Oh, my God, yeah. She wouldn't be on a pay-as-you-go, would she? She'd be on, like, top-ranking contracts with free I, I think so. She'd be she'd be getting a 1,000 free texts a month and she'd just be texting abuse to Miss Mountshaft or... Yeah. Um, yeah, sending WhatsApp messages to Mrs. Dooms Patterson. Screenshots, <laughs> screenshots, screenshots everywhere. The next scene was was one of my favourites because, as I do like, and um, I like shop windows <laughs> in in sitcoms, <laughs> um, just because I like having a nausea at what they what they did look like um, all those all those years ago. Um, so we've got signs up as worn by the gods, which is supposed to say as worn by the gods, but it's spelt wrong. Um, and things start arriving, things start getting delivered to the gods' house. So there are all these freebies that they've. Um, They've been given on the back of their celebrity status. So we see chicken wire being delivered. It's just an array of random shit arriving, isn't it? It's like it's like the generation game, but shitter. <laughs> All this stuff turns up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's a knock at the door and there's a boat being delivered that's now in the front the front, <laughs> the front garden. <laughs> Um, and Jerry's looking very, very happy with himself. Um, and he says that it's part of his agent's commission. So he's just bagged himself a, um, a little dinghy. I don't, that, the economics of this guy blagging a boat for, for this story is ill conceived at best, isn't it? It's a bit like Tom trying to sell a parsnip, a collie and a carrot to that restaurateur for 90 quid last week. Yeah. It just doesn't quite add up, does it? No. I don't know what else has been promised. There's probably a case of gin in there as well for um for his boat as well. So next we see Margot with the Observer that's been delivered. It's newspaper delivery day and she's flicking through the Observer um, trying to find the article about the goods. Um, which she's shoehorned herself and the theatre production into. And the phone rings and it's Miss Mountshaft, who's not very happy because, lo and behold, no. the article's not in the Observer. Um, and she's accusing Margot of making all sorts of promises. Um, and she's very, very upset. She's screamed, Jerry! 
She's very, very upset. Needs Jerry on the case. Um, I'm not in the paper, she says. She's got a real sulky face at this point as well. It really brings out the horrible side of Margot's character. Yes. Quite well. Yeah. And Jerry doesn't seem arsed until he realises what it means for for what he's been up to is um, extracurricular activities, blagging money. And you think he uh, does he say hell's bells or something? And Margot says, Bloody hell. Language, Jerry, it's Sunday. <laughs> Bloody hell. So, yeah, not only is the um, sound of music production not mentioned, um, but Barbara. And Tom are not even in the Observer either, obviously. So this has a knock-on mm. effect for the boat. The boat's got to go back. So no wonder, no wonder he uses bloody hell. Yeah. And then we see the goods with all their bits and pieces. So Tom, Tom wanders in in this, like, double denim outfit, um, like a catalogue model. It made me feel, I didn't like it. It made me feel a bit uneasy. I thought he looked as camp as a row of tents, to be honest with you. He sort of sashayed in, didn't he, with his brushed denim outfit on. Um, yeah. And um, Barbara's been given uh, some new dungarees, which she says that she's saving for best. She's not going to put those on just for any any bit of work. She She's saving them for best. And then in pops Margot. Obviously, she's, um, she's, she's bubbling away, and she says, that's the last time that you involved me with the gutter press. They're not in the Observer. She says she said, I've scanned every inch. But then it turns out that it's not the National Newspaper Observer, it's actually the Ox and Books Observer. So the local rag is where the story's yeah. ended up. At least it wasn't in the sun next to dear Deirdre. Oh, which no. Which is where she thought oh, it might be. Yeah. Oh, dear me. Jerry feels quite sorry about all of this because obviously he's got all this stuff now that needs to go back because there's no celebrity status. I, I thought Tom was um, a bit slow on the uptake as to what this meant. He didn't seem to compute that he would have to give back all this shit and he yeah he's just slow I mean he's got to return all the freebies presumably minus the Benson and Hedges he would have already smoked but um do you think he'd not um, just put he'd just not put two and two together because he he wasn't the one that was sort of thinking that way it was more Jerry that had the the business head on when it he's even not very bright he's even not very bright he's just self-involved but he actually uses that expression I say what are you talking about and I've I just I don't know. Have you ever have you ever prefaced anything that you've said with I say? Never. I can't say I have. Well, no. Now hear this. It's just one of those Yeah, maybe maybe people used to. I don't know, didn't seem very genuine dialogue to me. Mm. But he's a bit he's a bit slow. Jerry and Margot end up having a big row while Barbara and Tom are sorting out tea. And Tom even says, We'll be fine when it's all gone. It's soulless and mass produced. So he he's already sort of happy that this stuff's going back. I don't th- I, I don't think he was really on board anyway. Um, despite looking like he was quite happy in his double denim outfit, I don't think it, it, it sort of suited his 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 life choice. It, it's not in line with his values, was it? He no. wants to work and earn his keep, uh, be self sustainable, and relying on on journalism fluff piece about their lives. Yeah, isn't really what he had in mind. No, so. He just doesn't care. It's a bit like the other week when he sort of, he just had that realisation that um, Guy and Ruth um, can do what they want. Mm. And he's just like, well, I'm just doing what I want. Yeah. And I don't really care what anyone else thinks. Yeah, he's not bothered so about... It makes no odds to him. No, he's not bothered about the bigger sort of beyond beyond him and Barbara and what they're doing. 
it's not really important yeah. to him. Which is the nice side of Tom. It is, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. So the episode finishes with Tom and his, his fixed um, garden fork, which then proceeds to break again. Um, and there's lots of laughs from the audience. They're all in stitches about that. It's what I call a Thundercats ending. Yeah. <laughs> schnarf, schnarf. <laughs> that was me, cat. Yeah. Where everyone laughs and points at the at the fork. So yeah, it, it yeah. was a it was a nice episode with a nice sort of moral. Yeah, come full circle. Yes. Help, Bell. I think this week's tab tab. We can assume that um, Tom smoked himself half to death on Lambert and Butler before you know on free. Siggies, but we never saw it on screen. There's been about three or four episodes now we've we've not seen Richard Bryer smoking. No tab tab. No. Yeah, I think he's had a yeah, couple of um, backhanded cartons of fags. Do you think he was excited when he read the script? He's like, can we can we arrange for some actual cigarettes to be brought in? Love of his life. So that was the episode. Um, lots of um, different clothes on offer this week, I think. So let's have a trip over to Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner, Fashion Corner. Fashion Corner, Fashion Corner. Lots to mention this week. There was a whole array and all the characters had had, had something this week. Um, Margot's jumper right at the very beginning. Um, she had this like embroidered um, pink tight sweater um, that was in a beautiful like lilac shade um very lovely i would i would wear it now um which seems to be something that i say every week now um about margot's clothes she's coming into her own definitely um i love the jumper um barbara's snazzy trousers the cna marks and spencer's cut and shut trousers that she had on which were like one leg orange and the rest of them were denim um I thought I thought they were fab, and I can see where Barbara's coming from because if you just keep, it's like triggers broom, isn't it? Eventually, you end up with not the same thing that you started off with, but she just keeps sewing on extra appendages um, and just gets more wear out of them. Um, just mentioning triggers broom, I saw something on um, social media the other day saying. Uh-huh. Carol Vorderman, Carol Vorderman turned 60 today. Someone commented underneath, a bit like triggers broom. <laughs> <laughs> Just off topic there. Theory. Oh, Tom's brushed denim ensemble, um, double denim effort that he had on, um, which he sort of sashayed in. It was it was that thing that that middle aged men often do, where um, they dress a bit too young for their age and a bit too tight. The clothes are just a bit too tight, as if that sort of makes them look more felt and and um, virile, perhaps I don't know, uh, but it, it just didn't work. He, he just looked a bit of a a bit of a fool, really. He looked like a little boy dressed up as a man. He did yeah, he did. It just didn't know. It made me feel uncomfortable. It did. Um, Jerry's leather jacket was back in. Um, and Margot had uh, when she when she comes in to speak to Mr. Coles uh, with the ball of string, she's got um, like a proper going out dress on. Um, it's like a, a green and blue and white um, long maxi dress, like a gown almost. Um, yeah. But 
you, yeah, stunning, stunning. The the I'd love to know what the um, budget was for Margot's clothes because obviously that's where all the budget goes for. Mm, yeah, true. Um, I'd love to know what the budget was and what she was allowed to sort of go out and get and pick and choose because she's. I think Penelope Keith, I think, must have an amazing taste in in clothes because she's what she chooses. Um, which are things that have over time become associated with Margot. You can see, I, I can, whether it's because I'm a fan, I don't know, but I can look at certain clothes and go, oh my God, that's Margot. That's a Margot dress. Do you think she's still got them um, all in her wardrobe in Surrey? Like a big Margot room? That'd be ace, wouldn't it? If you had like a walking wardrobe of Margot. Yeah, she'd probably still fit them as well. Yeah. Still the same sort of figure. Mm, I'd love to read that wardrobe. I would. Maybe she could go to a Margot Ledbetter uh, lookalike contest and and fail to win. Who was it? <laughs> yeah, who was it who went to a, a lookalike contest for themselves? Was it Cher or someone like that? Really? I think I think a lot of celebs must do this. I think Charlie Chaplin did that once and, and lost. To Hitler? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of celebs must do it, thinking, oh, I'm a shoo-in here, and then come last. Margot's, Margot's wardrobe um, is coming into its own now, and I think that's what we said. Once it's the second series halfway through um, is, is definitely when Margot becomes most Margoist. Margoish? Yes. Margoish, not Margoist. That sounds like a... Margoesque. Margoesque, there we go. Um, she's yeah. coming into her own, and um, there's, there's less repeats of outfits now with Margot, and... Um, obviously, as, as the, the show went on and the budget got bigger, we're seeing more and more new outfits. So, yeah, I'm getting quite excited now about all this. I like I like Jerry's dressing gown as well. Oh, sorry, yes, you mentioned that before. Jerry's dressing gown with the, like a di- like a, um, a maroon and blue diamond design was very of the 70s, wasn't it? Like, a, like almost like a smoking jacket, sort of Hugh yeah, Hefner, yeah. weren't it? Like that Rob that Rob Newman character. Oh <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh god. Oh, I quite fancied Rob Newman until he did that character, and it just put me off completely. Because as, as when he, sorry, this is a bit of a segue, a bit of not a segue, a bit of an aside. Um, when Rob Newman did that character, it got worse and worse every week. So if it was like a series of six episodes, by the yeah, end true. of it, he was just revolting and just yeah. Yeah, greasy yeah. and horrid. Good character, though. Very good character. Good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life, good life. So, Ben, after all that, um, who is your MVP for this week? Shit, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we just I was just going to edit out the bit where I went, shall I ask you or you ask me? But now I, and you, you said I'll ask name. you, and then I realised I haven't got one. Um, who's my MVP? Well, it's definitely not Margot because of, yeah, she's being silly um, and attention-seeking and needy. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like taking a, a pass this week. <gasps> Can you do maybe that? It's maybe it's because I don't want to give it to Tom. Okay. But I suppose I'm going to have to give it to fucking Tom again, aren't I? Ah, oh! Because he just didn't care about the nonsense. Mm. He was very level-headed about it all, weren't he? Come on, there must be someone else I can give it to, fuck's sake. That journalist. Mr for Coles. His, um, fuck it, I'm giving it to Mr Coles for his um, Peapod wine reaction. I know it seems like I'm trying to um, stack the deck a bit here, and that's probably true, 
So I'm giving it to Mr. Coles. That's okay, because that mine's Mr. Coles too, for the exact same reason, for his for his peapod ra- wine reaction. I, I just thought it was um, just a little tiny moment in, in the entire episode, but it, it's the bit that stuck with me from, from, from the whole thing. So, yeah, I agree, Mr. Coles. Mr. Coles. This now means that Mr. Coles is on the same amount of votes... He's on the same amount of votes as Jerry, somehow. <laughs> well done, Mr. Coles. Well, let's look him up. Send him a send him a, a medal in the post. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Coles. Uh, next week's episode, uh, Series 2, Episode 4, is entitled The Day Peace Broke Out. Ooh. Which, um, I didn't, the title didn't jog any memories, but... When I looked at the image that associated the episode on IMDb, I think it's that one where that guy steals from the goods garden. Okay. And then weirdly forms a friendship with Tom. Right. That's all I really remember about it. So we'll find out more about that one next week. So if you're following along with us, um, we'd love it if you got in touch. You can um, find us on Twitter or Instagram at Sado Podcast. And we're on Facebook. You can find us easy enough by searching for Sado Podcast. We also have a website, sado.club, where you can get more information about us or read our blog posts. And you can also listen to all the episodes on there. And you can also subscribe to the newsletter as well, um, which I've yet to send. But at some point, I'll probably send a newsletter. Um, if you want to email us, perhaps to send us some um, fanfic erotica <laughs> or some art, sadopodcast.gmail.com. Tell us the things that we missed. We love that, being corrected. Everyone loves being corrected. Uh, and then also, yes, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It's nice. We've got a few five-star reviews on iTunes. Probably me and you. I say, Ben, that's a really, really good thing to hear. I say. So uh, join us again next week. See you next week. I'll see you.